Now, please help me welcome our senior leader of this house, the amazing, the awesome, the loving Pastor Zach Wexler. Come on now, clap it up, clap it up. Yes, you can have a row, clap, let's go. No, nobody has to buy me a Christmas gift. You just gave it to me right there. <laughs> Flatter me, why don't you? Come on, somebody. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. How are you doing? Blessed? What a beautiful time of worship. Amen. It's so good to be in the presence of the Lord. There's something holy about worshiping as a community. And it's just always good to come together. Who was at the outreach yesterday? Did you have an awesome time? Wasn't that incredible? Come on. Can we thank God for what took place? I heard some really cool testimonies, some people that were saved, some people that were healed. Um, there was uh, uh, one testimony. Actually, I'd love to collect these and, and maybe put a video together or something. But one of the testimonies, somebody was praying, and um, you'll, I'm sure you'll see this at some point, but the Lord gave them a name of somebody and, and said, I want you to pray for them. You're going to meet this person. And, and so he was, he was looking and uh, come to find out that there was some, another person that had just prayed for someone with that name. So he's like, are you kidding me? I want to, I, please show me. So he got to go over and pray with this person. The Lord dropped in a name and then he got, and he was totally wrecked. He said on his way home, he called his friend. They're praying completely wrecked by God, just capturing God's heart for people. And the Lord prophetically gave him a name. Uh, there was another moment that I thought was really cool where Sarah was releasing healing over people. And she said, put your uh, hand on the part of your body where you need healing. And so there was a guy there who put his hand on his back and then somebody went over. I think it was Wally went over and laid hands on his back and, uh, and the pain just left. He was telling us right after that, Sarah. And he was like, the pain, he's like, I'm not surprised, but the pain's gone. And, and he was actually a believer, but the Lord just, just completely, um, you know, brought healing to him. So isn't that awesome? And so thankful for uh, Julia and her husband and, and just the ministry um, and that we could partner with. And how many know that we're already, I don't know if I've been telling everybody, we're already tentatively planning a spring event at that same spot, a big outreach, and also a back to school outreach. And so we're so excited. We're going to go. Another thing the Lord just dropped in my spirit and I, I'm really excited about is I would love to do right there in the heart of the city, a nonstop worship with multiple churches. And we just release the sound of heaven over the heartbeat of Rochester. Come on. So that's exciting. We were a part of something like that in Las Vegas and we did 50 hours of nonstop worship um, with 40 plus churches. And there was so many people that were just saved, healed, delivered. We happened to do it when there was some rave or some, I don't something was going on in the city. I forget some weird pagan thing that always goes on in the heart of Las Vegas. Um, it's wild if you've never been there. And we were in it, Like if you go downtown, you'll see naked people, I'm not even kidding. You'll see people, they're not wearing clothes. They're painted. It's just gnarly, man. So we're right there in the heart of Fremont Street, and there's people that are walking around half drunk. They've been up all night, and they hear the sound of worship, and they experience the love and the presence of God, and they start weeping. And we had a healing room that was set up where we're praying for people, and there's prodigals coming home. There's people giving their hearts to Jesus and bodies being healed supernaturally. 
So how about we just do that here all together? Come on. And the church rise up, the city church rise up. So it was such a, just a beautiful start to, and, and the Lord did it. The Lord, you know, aligned us, Julie and her family uh, are a part of the church. And is she here this morning? Julie, are you here this morning? Is she in the back? Is she right there? Can you guys stand up your whole family? I just want to honor you. I love what you're doing in the city. Come on. We love you guys. <laughs> Amen. Just such a kindred uh, spirit, and uh, our hearts are so connected to you. So we just want to steward the partnership and relationship. And we're honored that you're a part of this house and this church family. And the Lord brought you here so that we could partner with you and see the glory of God flood the streets of Rochester. Amen. Amen. So good. All right. Well, I just had to brag a little bit about what happened yesterday. Thank you for all those that served and came. Um, I just love watching people walk around and pray for people. And our team was up there, Christian singing, you're the God of the city. Man, unfortunately, I missed that part because I was picking my son up from wrestling and then driving way too fast in the rain. And I'm praying for my own like safety. Um, but meanwhile, the team is releasing heaven and just, just so incredible, so good. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. So it's a good season to be in. Um, it's a good season to be in because it's Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas. And we're excited about doing a little candlelight service tonight. By the way, if you're coming, it's probably going to only be about 45, 50 minutes. Um, if you're expecting more, well, I'll just preach long for you right now. So, no, I'm kidding. Um, but we, we, uh, we're going to come together and worship. It'll be really sweet. So let's dive into the Christmas story. I want to talk to you about the, the incarnation again. You know, we kind of dove into that, how God became human uh, in the person of Jesus Christ and what that means to us. And, and I really feel like something specific is going to be released this morning. Um, it's not a coincidence, like some of the songs that we sang today. And I just want to release peace and, and joy. And how many know that the Christmas story is a, uh, and the incarnation of God is a story that brings joy to humanity. Come on. I'm telling you, man, the church needs to be the most joyful people on the planet. We have the gospel is a message of joy unspeakable and full of glory. I don't want to. I don't want to just partake of some message that makes me somber and religious, trying to push my convictions on other people. I want to be so in love with Jesus and so overflowing with joy that people say, "I want to drink what you're drinking." Come on, I want to. I want to taste and see that the Lord is good because something happens when we realize that the good news of Jesus, that God became human so that we could be saved, so we could be brought back to Him, should be should utterly overtake us to be the most joyful people on the planet. I don't want a message that's going to keep me somber and religious and, and, and overly serious. There's a time for that. There's a time to be serious. There's a time to walk in the fear of the Lord, but I can fear the Lord and over, be overwhelmed with joy. And, and we should be overflowing. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I haven't read a lick of the Bible yet, but I'm going to preach anyways. I'm telling you, we got to get joy back in the Christmas season. We got to everywhere we go in the midst of the world being dark, we should be the light of God's joy and his presence everywhere we go. I think angels are waiting for us to preach the real gospel. 
And they're waiting to help us release that joy and shift the atmosphere in places where there's hopelessness and brokenness. And, and you know, how many know that it, through, through the, uh, the season, some people, it's, it's a very hard season. The Christmas season can be hard because we've lost loved ones and maybe there's things, or some people don't spend Christmas with family. And, and so there's things that, that happen in life. How many know there are things that can rob our joy? Hello? You ever been having a real good day and then just got totally ripped off? And you literally feel like somebody stole something from you. I mean, it could be that. I remember the first time I experienced theft in a major way. I woke up and somebody had stolen something out of our car and the windows broken. And I'm like, and it was thousands of dollars of damage. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And man, in that moment, I didn't have any joy. <laughs> I wanted to find the person and lay hands on them. Come on, somebody. Um, your pastor is feisty, I'm gonna tell you right now. Let's just read a few verses and then we're gonna dive right into this because I wanna talk about the source of joy and, and, and how sometimes I think we've missed it as Christians and as the people of God. In Luke chapter two, and just start reading, we're gonna start reading at verse eight. So Jesus was born and they wrapped him in swaddling clothes. I love wrapping my babies when they're little in swaddling clothes. Sarah, we used to swaddle you up in this thing so tight that you couldn't move and you loved it. <laughs> so imagine though, this little baby is God. This little, tiny, helpless, totally, utterly dependent on his parents is God incarnate. And it says there were angels in the same country. There were shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings. Say good tidings. Of great joy. Say great joy which will be to all people. Man, I love that. All of humanity. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God. Would, can we say this together if you have your Bibles? Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill toward men. So good. I love this because first it shows God's heart that he chose to reveal and confirm this epic, profound event that would utterly change everything. He chose to reveal it to some shepherds. So here are some shepherds doing their duty, and the good shepherd himself is right there in their midst. God reveals that it's a message for all people. It is good news, not bad news, but good news of great joy. The gospel of the kingdom should produce exceeding joy in our lives 
in our families, in our communities, in our cities, in our nations, to all the world around us. Yes. What is the source of joy? Like, I, I, I just think about how my own journey with the Lord, uh, I, was, uh, I was saved when I was 17, but I didn't really know, like, the gospel of joy. I remember one of the first times I, I experienced, like, this beautiful, uh, just overwhelming sense that, like, man, I, this is not just like temporal happiness, but this is eternal joy. Like something was anchored deep within my soul that it didn't matter what happened around me, if the enemy would try to come and rob my joy or just circumstances, not everything that bad happens is the devil, by the way, come on somebody. But there are things that try to rob our joy. And I think that for far too long, the church has allowed uh, a message, a watered-down, sugar-coated gospel <laughs> to rob us of our joy. And we become somber, religious people that no one wants to be around. Not you, of course. I'm talking about all those other Christians. Not me, not you. But how many know that... This is what the Christmas season is about. Now, this is what I want to talk to you about this morning. The other day, um, I'm so excited. First of all, I brag on my kids all the time, not because I think my kids are the best in the world, but I do think that, um, actually, but because I love my kids. And as parents, we're supposed to just love our kids radically, right? And, and I love bragging on my kids, and, and sometimes I will stop in the middle of worship and pray for one of my kids because I, like, I can't help when I'm in the presence of God, like he just, something happens in my heart. Uh, like there's times I'll look over at somebody and be like, man, they are so awesome. I can't even look at their face. And I'll just start thinking about how awesome they are. Well, even more so with my own children. Like I, I just love my kids. I'm so proud of my kids. I love my sons, my daughters. So the other day, my uh, son and I, he's been uh, leasing a car uh, and, and he took over a payment and the lease is up, so we gotta turn the car in. So we went and I went with my oldest son to look at cars. I don't know, that's fun, right? Yeah. Sort of. You gotta know what you're doing, right? Um, and so we get there and he's excited. He tests, we have like three cars. He's test driving three cars. And, and, then, and then he gets to like submit his credit app and get his own car loan and all this stuff. And it's like, you know, he's in his younger 20s. I'm like, man, this is so awesome. And he's got to go to work. So we had to leave and we were hungry. We hadn't ate all day. And so we weren't able to finish the deal and turn the car in and him drive away with a new car, a different car. So we had to leave. So we went around the corner to a fast food place and we're so happy. We were so joyous. We're just joking around. We're having a good time. I'm overwhelmed with joy because my son, like the feeling of, you remember when you had your first car? I, I don't know about you. My first car though was like, I, to me, it was like a Lamborghini, but that thing was a clunker, bro. But the joy that I had of having my own car, it was almost like too much because I got like four speeding tickets the first six months. And no joke, I had a heavy foot, Vegas. Plus I was lived in an area where there was just cops everywhere. I don't know, I, I wish someone would have just sat down, maybe like 10 people did this, but I didn't hear because I was stubborn, but just say, hey, you need to slow down. <laughs> So we're so happy and we're just overwhelmed with joy. We grab a bite to eat. We're leaving. David's pulling out of the Wendy's parking lot. I just had a yummy chicken sandwich. It was not as good as Popeye's, but it was all right. I was hungry. And 
we pull out and this car illegally crossed double yellow lines, gets in the middle lane, going way too fast, coming to a red light, bam, smacks the front of my son's car right before we get to turn the car in. Talk about a joy robber. It was vexing. I was vexed in my mind. My, I was perplexed in my thoughts. Like it was like, and even for, you know, and of course my son, I, I'm like, oh, and he feels bad. I'm like, David, it wasn't your fault. You know, and we're, and we're going now. So now we got to go through all that stuff. I mean, no, that's just so much fun, right? Insurance and who's to blame. And, you know, apparently the guy driving didn't have a, he had a suspended license, whatever, of course. Right. So, um, if you're watching online, sir, God bless you. Um, in the richest way. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I'm not kidding. Bless you. Yeah. But I'm kidding. He's probably not watching online. So like I, I would talk about being robbed of an a, a awesome moment. And now it's like, now we got to figure all this out. The car's due. So now we got to get it fixed. We had to get it towed. That guy drove off and, and our, co- our car had to get towed and he had to call in for work and it was just, it was a mess. And but how many times in life, now I know that this is like a temporary thing. It's not like, I, I, like, right. It's still vexing though, right? Like there are things that vex our mind, but then if we stop and think for a minute and say, this is temporary, but there's something anchored in my soul that, that keeps me at a place where I have peace in the midst of the storm and I have joy when I sh- don't have a reason to be happy or I shouldn't be happy, come on. And when we know that God's hand is on our life, and this is only a, an example, a small example, because there's other examples, even weightier things things that can vex us, but when we get rooted in the reality of who God is and how much he loves us, nothing can rob us of joy. But if we don't have joy, we've probably believed a version of the gospel that's been watered down by the doctrine of men. The gospel should seize our hearts and bring us to a place where we are completely and utterly overflowing with joy. Is there joy in your life? Is there joy in your marriage? Is there joy in your relationships? Is there joy in your, mar- in your family? Is there joy when you sit around the table and you feast together? I don't know about you, but I've learned that when we allow God to just submerge us in his love and we believe and trust in the gospel and, and we're not trying to figure everything out on our own, but we realize that he's figured it all out for us and we trust in him that there's so much joy, we can't even contain it. And sometimes when we sit at a table, it can get really crazy, but you know what? God fills us with joy, and we're so blessed. I love this quote from St. John Christosom. Uh, He was an early church father, theologian. He says, God is now on earth and man in heaven. On every side, all things commingle. Though being the impassable word, he became flesh, that he might dwell among us. He became flesh. He did not become God. He was God. Therefore, he became flesh, so that whom heaven did not contain, a manger would this day receive. How many times, though, we look at life, I want to read another story in the Gospels that's not a typical Christmas story. If you could turn over to John 13 real quick. This is right after Jesus 
washes the disciples' feet, Judas walks out the door, and then he's like, Jesus is like, hey, a new commandment I'm giving to you that you love one another. And, and I want to pick up towards the end of the chapter, and I want to I pray that this season that we would all receive the gift of his love so that we overflow with joy, and we don't allow the enemy to rob us of some temporal happiness, but we would be rooted and grounded in the eternal anchor of Jesus and who he is to us so that joy would be our portion. Can you say amen? amen. Geico's calling me right now. <laughs> somebody, somebody probably told them. Are your ears burning, Geico? Okay. John chapter 13. Now listen, I'm about to blow your mind. You ready? Because we always read scripture, we do it with the one in 1 Corinthians 2, which we can go to because it goes with the message, nor eye has seen, nor has entered the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those that love him, right? Amen. Nor eye has seen, nor ears, and we stop right there. The next verse says, but God has revealed them to us. We're always living in this place where God is like hiding everything. That's not what the Bible teaches about mystery in the new covenant. Mystery in the New Testament is not mystery concealed, but mystery revealed. Jesus is looking for people to receive with meekness his truth and his word. And we're always trying to apply truth to our lives instead of let him apply the reality of what he's already done in us and through us. He is truth. So instead of trying to gain more knowledge and try to figure everything out, let's let God figure it out he has figured it out and let him apply truth and put it deep within our souls. But this is a typical verse that we read. And usually the message would be, we have to, we have to follow the Lord and we shouldn't be like Peter and deny the Lord. Like, that's a good message, right? Yeah, I don't want to deny the Lord. I think we all have though, I'm sure, right? Raise your hand, I dare you, if you haven't denied the Lord. In one way or another, in our actions, like, so I'm going to read this verse that we all know. Jesus is talking, verse 34, new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I've loved you. And, he, and he's saying, like, this is about to happen. You're not going to be able to follow me. I'm going to be glorified. And he says, they're going to know you're my disciples. And then Jesus says, where are you going, Lord? Like, Peter's like, where are you going, Lord? Jesus says, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterward. And Peter says, Lord, why can't I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. And Jesus said, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow three times and you have denied me. Three. I'm sorry, the rooster will not crow till you've denied me three times. So Jesus predicts that Peter is going to deny him. And now usually we'll read these verses and we'll try to frame a, a beautiful message of how we shouldn't deny the Lord, right? But how many know that when the Bible, the New Testament was written, there was no verses or chapters. So let me read what Jesus was actually saying to Peter and to the disciples in context. Are y'all ready? Yeah. 
It's kind of like in the end of the faith chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, all these things. And then Hebrews chapter 12, it says, therefore, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Therefore is a conclusion of Hebrews 11. But sometimes we'll just read the therefore and forget why it's therefore. Therefore is there for a reason. And when we read the Bible the way it was written, we'll understand that there's no verses and chapters. So let me read it to you a little bit differently. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow until you've denied me three times. Let not your heart be troubled. What? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Did you catch that? There's no chapters and verses here, y'all. When the, let's just read all the way through. He says, you're going to deny me, but don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, but trust in me also. Jesus is saying, listen, I got this figured out, Peter. I'm going to fix it. I know you're broken. I know you're hurting. I know you don't have real love and real joy, but I love you and you're going to know love and you're going to know joy because you're going to know the heart of my father. He says, I know you're going to deny me because that's what we do in our broken, dark humanity. But he says, don't be afraid. Kind of reminds me of the Christmas story when they saw all this stuff and they're like, they're scared. And the angel says, don't be scared. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Fear will immediately result in self-centered delusion. When we allow fear to grip our hearts, we cannot partake of the joy that Jesus has brought to us. So don't ever read this verse again in the same light know that Jesus in the same context says, don't be afraid, don't be troubled. You trust God, but trust what I'm about to do also. Isn't that good? See, we're so striving to apply truth to our lives instead of letting God reveal the truth of what he has done for us and in us. We don't need to figure it all out, we can't, but trust that he figured it out and he included us in it. He has you figured out and I figured out. And in all his wisdom and love, he's always intended to become fully human because he wanted to assume all of this brokenness, why we deny the Lord, why we run from the Lord. And the answer was him pitching his glorious tabernacle among us, among our brokenness and darkness. Listen, he figured out a way in so we have a way out of this. And Jesus went all the way into our mess, and that's what the Christmas story is really about. From the virgin womb to the empty tomb, all the way to the throne room, seated at the right hand of God. I love the way John starts his gospel. He doesn't start with the lineage of Jesus from Abraham or the lineage of Jesus from Adam like Luke does. He he goes further back and he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. He starts the gospel with a face-to-face relationship with Jesus and his father. The word with God doesn't mean side by side. It's pros in the Greek, P-R-O-S. It means face-to-face. It means turn toward. In other words, from all eternity, the father, the son, the spirit have been turned towards one another and God is love, and and they share in this beautiful communion, this eternal oneness, three distinct persons, yet one, 
If we, didn't, if we describe the Trinity in any other way than one, then we would be betraying the reality of who God is. And out of that love came creation. Kind of reminds me in a much different way, but similar. My wife and I fell in love, and we're just caught up in love. And now, five kids later. <laughs> what love birthed out of eternity was all of humanity, because God created us to be a part of that fellowship. But John starts his gospel with a face-to-face relationship, which is the source of true joy. Like, think about this for a minute. If God's given us the mind of Christ, if God has given us a new heart, for what reason? Is it so we can be wise? Is it so we can have a new heart and live holy? That's good. I want to live holy. I want a new heart because before I got saved, my heart was desperately wicked, deceitful. Above all things, who could know it, right? But Ezekiel says he's going to give us a new heart and put a new spirit within us. I present to you today that we've missed the reason why we have a new heart and why we say we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ because God wants us to think like Jesus does. God wants us to know his father from his heart and perspective. If I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places, that means I'm face to face with the father. So when we're afraid and and temporal happiness dissipates because of a circumstance, we're face to face with the father just like Jesus. Does Jesus being face to face with the father, what does he experience? I want to know what he knows. I want to know what he feels when he's looking into his father's eyes. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out all fear. There's no reason to worry or be dismayed. Come on, not just because he's with us, but God, I have a face-to-face relation. See, listen, God has given us a new heart so that we could know his father the way he knows his father. And that's the Christmas message is that we can know the Father's love from Jesus' perspective. In his vicarious humanity, in other words, Jesus became human and he was our representation, the representation of every human being that ever existed and existed in his time and ever will exist. And he was our perfect human response to the Father. And now we get to participate in that. It's almost like he allows us to sit next to him and says, you can see the world through my eyes. You can see the Father through my lenses. And you can know and experience love and communion and joy from the intimacy of a face-to-face relationship. This is the gospel message. So when Jesus tells Peter, you're going to deny me, but don't be afraid. Trust me. It's going to be okay. We have to grow in this experience of the knowledge of Jesus. Like, I, I want to know what he knows. I, we have the mind of Christ. We always think about it in a different way. Oh, I have a new heart. We always think about it in a different way. Like, I want to live right with God. It's so much more than that. Oh, I, we have to evangelize. So we need wisdom and we got to present the gospel. And it's like, no, you need to know the Father's heart because when you know the Father's heart, evangelism is easy. Oh, I, I want to I live right. I want to apply the word of God, the truth to my life so that I could be a better husband. No, you need to know the Father's heart because when you see your bride or your husband through the lens of love, you'll never be the same. In all relationships, that's the way it works. I was thinking of this in 
a practical way. I remember one time David, um, his friends at the school he went to in Las Vegas, I, I came to pick him up and I looked like this. This is what I look like, right? And if you don't know me, um, you know, like some of his friends are like, is your dad like a biker? Was he in prison or something? <laughs> like, do I really look like that kind of teardrops, you know, <laughs> tattoos? And, and, and so like his friend's perspective of me was distorted. But if his friends knew what David knew, I'm a fierce, loving, protecting papa. Amen. That's who I am. That's who God made me. I'm not perfect. But in the same way, if we knew what Jesus knows and has known from all of eternity, this face-to-face -face relationship. Jump over to John 17. Quick, 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 John 17. I hope you're enjoying this. I'm enjoying it. Actually, no, John 15. I'm going to read a different verse to you. 15, 9. As the Father loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Rochelle, pull that up in the passion quickly, and then give me your phone. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. That was so fast. Wow. Ooh, glory. Ooh, glory. Where's the verse? There it is. Listen to it in the Passion. I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. I, I'm getting wrecked, man. I'm just the love of God. That's what Christmas is about. That's what the gospel is about. And then he goes on in the gospel of John, Jesus says, Abide in my love. You know what that means? Let me love you. Let me love you. Verse 11, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you. That my joy may remain in you. Are you listening to this this morning? There is a joy unspeakable and full of glory that will abide in you when you know that love. When you know that love that Jesus, well, I want to know what Jesus knows. I don't want to sit far away. I don't want to sit, I want to live that ascended life that I know I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places and, and I'm seated with Christ and I can look and behold the face of the Father. The Bible says we have access by one spirit to the Father. The veil's been torn and we stitch it up with religious lies. You have access to the heart of the Father and not just a revelation of great love, but a revelation to experience and know the, the Father the way Jesus knows the Father. That there's no fear there. There's no intimidation there. There's no anxiety in there, but hope, but joy. There's joy and communion and life and love and peace that surpasses all understanding. Jesus said, I've spoken this stuff to you that my joy may remain in you and listen, and your joy may be full. You know what that means? Overflowing. This season, may God's joy overflow to people around you. God wants you to be the light of the world. Thanks, you can have your phone back. Love you. Love you more. I want to know what he knows. I go to my son's school, like, is your dad like, is he in prison? <laughs> Theology is the same way, though. 
We've been taught a bunch of garbage about God. He's pissed off at you. Jesus actually came to save you. The cross was like this shield from the fiery wrath of God. No, it wasn't a shield from the fiery wrath. It was an open door to the heart of God. We've been taught the same thing. There's distorted, monstrous God. It's, it's pagan gods. It's, it's the gods of archaic religion that have been branded in our conscience and we're afraid that we do something wrong and we're going to get punished. It's like, wait a minute. What if that's not who Abba is? And see, the Spirit searches the deep things of God and reveals them to us. And that's why it says we have the mind of Christ. And Paul in 1 Corinthians 2 is saying, stop trying to figure it out on your own. Stop trying to make God in your own image. It's not going to work. Greek philosophy, all that stuff, it's garbage, man. Come like a child and receive. Come and be loved. Come and behold. Behold the baby in a manger. Behold Jesus telling Peter, I know you're going to deny me, but don't be troubled. Behold him on the cross. Behold the kings whose coronation began with a crown of thorns, whose anointing was not oil, but saliva being spat and mocked, whose coronation was not honored with words to esteem a kingly royal person, but mockery. This king became flesh and took on all of our brokenness. It's who he is. And it's that message. These are not tears of sorrow. It's tears of joy. My life has been changed by the lamb. My life has been changed by Jesus. And this is the heart of the gospel. A message of good tidings, of great joy for all people. Everyone is included. Every human being is invited. From the most deceived Islamic extremist that wants to behead anyone that doesn't believe what they believe, God is fiery pursuing their hearts to reconcile them. That's why one of the sons of one of the founders of Hamas got radically saved. More Muslims are getting saved now than any time in history. Do we realize what God is doing in the earth? Do we realize what God wants to do in Rochester through a people that know face-to-face relationship with the Father? And then when we're at an outreach, walking around, loving on people, we're seeing them through that. We're knowing and experiencing what Jesus' experiences with his Father. And then we can know and experience how Jesus sees the world. John 17, John 17, at the end of the high priestly prayer, this, this summarizes it. I, I can't stop going back to this verse. Jesus says, I have declared, I have revealed He's praying to the Father. I have revealed to them your name and I will continue to reveal them so that the love which you love me may be in them and I in them. What does it mean to have his love remain in us? It's everything that we're talking about. The love of God. I want to know what he knows. I want to see the Father through Jesus, just like David, he knows my love. He knows my heart. He knows, I don't want to be that distant person that just assumes what God is like. I want to know the heart of the Father. Can you say amen? amen. 
Can we pray together? Can we just lift our hands like in a posture of receiving and close our eyes? I don't know about you, but I just feel God's presence right now. I pray that the wind of heaven would blow over your life in any clouds of confusion or clouds of temporal happiness that's been robbed would go. And you would be loved because you are beloved. You would be loved right now in a deeper way. Let him love you. Abide in his love. She says, I'm saying this so that your joy my joy will be in you and your joy would be overflowing. Lord, thank you right now for every person in this room. I thank you for the hearts of your people. Lord, I, I, I'm really not that great of a shepherd sometimes. I, I don't get it right, but you are. And you know their hearts. Like, I don't care for everyone's heart perfectly, but you do. And I pray right now they would know, every person in this room would know, you hold their heart. You hold their heart. And you're removing the thorns and the, the things, the disappointment and the things that rob us of joy. May we not be robbed of eternal joy that is founded in being loved by you with radical love. And Lord, we don't want to just know about you we don't want to just gain knowledge, but we want a deep revelation where we cry out. It's only by the Spirit we cry out, Abba, Father. We cry out with the same cry that Jesus said in the garden, Abba, Father. Lord, I thank you for every person in this room. I pray for just that revelation of your love to transform and heal. And those that might feel a little solitary or separated or isolated, that you'd bring them into the family, into the fold, and they would know that they're cared for by the good shepherd. They would know your heart and your love for them. I bless every person in this room. I just thank you for this church and where we're headed. And may we close out this year with, with a glorious, fresh revelation of your unending love. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord.